Are you looking for some great indie podcasts to listen to? Check out the Pod Nation list on podchaser.com, where you can find a list of great indie podcasts, get links to their official websites, and even listen to some of their episodes without needing to create an account or log in. Here's an example of one of the great indie podcasts you can find on Pod Nation. Welcome to Nothing Ever Happens in Canada, and I'm Canadian Girl. Do you like adventures, myths, legends, and learning about some of Canada's greatest moments in history? Well then this is the podcast for you. Join me every two weeks as we travel around Canada, exploring things like mermaids, giants, lost gold mines, and we even stop once in a while to observe historical events and people. Come on over to the channel and join the crew by hitting that subscribe button today. You don't want to miss out on our next adventure. So once again, for some great indie podcasts, check out the Pod Nation list on podjacer.com. everyone and welcome to another episode of Better Than Robin Hood. I am Pete Langhill. I am Fran Langhill. You are. And we are of course, as ever, trying to find a film that you believe is better than Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. Yes. Yes, as we do every week. Every single week. We'll be watching and talking about Patrick Swayze film Steel Dawn from 1987 this week. What a film that was. And we'll be yeah, speaking, what a film. And we'll also be speaking to some popular figures from the past on our time phone. We'll mix it up a little bit this week. We've got some new things. Firstly is our new segment, the booze section. So let's play the booze section theme music. Who's to blame? Who's to blame? What's his name? We know his name. His name is Mr. Booze. Mr. Booze. Mr. B-O-O-Z-E. So Fran, would you drink Campari? From a ballet slipper. Yes. If your head feels like it's ten foot wide, ten foot wide, you feel better once you. So what have you been up to this week, Fran? I've been up to York, mm-hmm. up the north. Up north. What was that like? It was very cold. Mm-hmm. But it was all right, actually. Were the Northmen friendly? They were wearing their Tuscan clothing. Wearing their, what, like, wrapped in animal furs. Yeah. Digging coal and things like that. Yep, beeping horns. Doing northern people stuff. Yeah, but it was nice up there. Racing whippets and playing crown green bowls. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We were doing all those things, weren't we? Well, I've had quite a sedate week due to a back injury. But um, I did notice during that time that we've been running our podcast now for over a year. So I thought it was high time that we checked in with some of our friends that we've made along the way on the time phone. So I thought firstly that we'd uh, give Lenin a call. Do you remember Lenin? Oh yeah, John Lenin. No, Lenin. Oh, Lenin. Yes, the leader of the Russian Revolution. I mean, he was one of the first people we called on the time phone. Um, Because on March the 8th, 1917, which is today's date, Tsarist rule in Russia was finally overthrown and Lenin crossed enemy lines back into Russia to lead the revolution and form the Soviet Union. So after nearly a year of using a time phone as well, we've been given a new contract upgrade 
then this allows our friends in the past to see a movie from this week. This week we gave Lenin the chance to watch The Invisible Man, starring uh, Elizabeth Moss, which wow. we also saw while he was on his train back to Russia. So let's uh, fire up the time phone and see what Lenin thought about uh, The Invisible Man. Morning, Lenin. How are you? Oh, da, da. Very good. Uh, very excited to meet up with Stalin and Trotsky. Oh, those two are such good guys. Uh, we're going to go to go to party like mad, dress up as bears, and just go crazy, da. Uh, then we'll probably shoot a few thousand people, steal the entire country's stock of grain, and then start the civil war, da. Right, eh? <laughs> what do you make? What did you make of the movie? Uh, well, it passed the time on the train from Germany. Very exciting movie, yeah. Uh, what did you think? I thought it was really good. Uh, yeah, I thought it was really good as well. I thought the special effects were particularly interesting. Yep, yeah. all the house stuff was good, wasn't it? Yeah, I did think maybe not enough content for a whole film. I think maybe they added some things in. I don't think so. But, I mean, you couldn't just make it an hour long or make no. a short film. So, yeah, you had to kind and of... And the ending was Ooh. bloody brilliant. It was exciting all the way through. What yes. did you make of it, Lennon? I thought it was very exciting and much better than the movies we have in 1917. Uh, I enjoyed the fact that it was in colour. I had sound and the picture quality very exciting, yes. Lovely. What was your favourite part? Oh, my favourite part, oh, well, I liked all the effects uh, while the Invisible Man is haunting the strangely attractive woman with uh, no makeup. She seems like the kind of girl that um, misogynists would criticise for not wearing makeup, despite it having no bearing on her ability to act. Uh, she will be welcome here in Soviet Union. Women are equal here, equally deprived of any non-essential products like food, toilet paper and clean water. What was your favourite part? Oh, I think all the house stuff and the mm. ending. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Uh, it's genuinely quite scary. Well, I was really scared. The Invisible Man is pottering around her house, yeah. stealing knives, making the curtains move and things mm. like that. There's a really good bit where... Oh, we're sorry. If you haven't seen it yet, there's going to be spoilers all the way through this. Uh, yeah, where he's sort of sat in a chair and he's not sat in a chair. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very impressive. And he pulls the covers off her and her little, oh, yeah. her friend's girl. Yeah, takes photos of him, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I liked almost all of it. I yes. don't think it got a bit silly in places, but then it is a film about an invisible man. Man, yeah. <laughs> so you can't expect it to be, like, too realistic, I suppose. No. No. Well, well should we see what Lennon's favourite part? Oh, no, Lennon's already told us what his favourite part was. Should we ask Lennon another question? Right, Lennon. You still there? Oh, da, da. Who was your uh, favourite character? I like the cop. <laughs> he's so useless. Oh, he's like secret police. The Tsar is always sending to murder me. They are so clumsy. One of them once uh, tripped on my bedpan and fell straight down a flight of stairs. I laughed so much when I told Stalin. and <laughs> He said it was uh, like the Charlie Chaplin movies. Uh, who is your favourite character? Oh, I like her. What's her name again? Elizabeth Moss. That's it. Mm. I thought she was very good. Yeah, I enjoyed her a lot. I like her in everything, really. I've yeah. never seen her do anything bad. Yeah, mm. I've not seen her do anything bad, no. I've seen her lot do a lot of movies, to be honest. No. She's in Get to the Greek, briefly. Is she? <laughs> she plays Jonah Hill's girlfriend. Oh, I don't remember 
clever. Yeah, it's a very unbelievable matching because Jonah Hill was at like peak fat Jonah Hill at that point. Oh, right. Yeah. She's quite a skinny woman, actually. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that they couldn't be together. Just saying he'd be punching a little bit. Yeah, he, mm. she is very pretty, I think. Yeah, in a kind of odd way. <laughs> yeah, well, should we see how Lennon's doing? Would you uh, recommend the film, and if so, to who, Lennon? I would recommend film to all peoples of the glorious Soviet Republic, as it is a good metaphor for the struggle of the worker against capitalist oppression. There features billionaire man, and he is an invisible enemy that must be crushed by the working woman and the oppressed minorities. Also, Trotsky, he likes the horror movies. We sometimes curl up and, you know... Uh, you know, projector and chill. So, uh, would you recommend it to someone that uh, wasn't your dad? Yes. That's a very specific question from Lennon there. Who would you recommend it to? My dad. You'd recommend it to your dad, <laughs> would you? No, no, he yeah. hates horror films. What kind of, perhaps, group of people would you recommend? <laughs> Anyone who likes horror or yeah. something a bit different? Yeah, I'd say horror or sci-fi yeah. kind of fans. It's not... Although, yeah, there's there's some scary bits, a lot of jump scares and some good tension. It's more of a drama, I'd say, than a horror movie. Yeah, it's not as scary as I thought it was going to be. No. There's only a couple bits where it's proper. There is some proper jump scares, aren't there? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just all around the general atmosphere of it's really, really good. Yeah. Well, crucial questions then. How many slices of cake out of 12 do you give it, Lenin? I give it uh, nine slices of Red Army Velvet Cake. You? Oh, I'm going to go for at least eight slices of Sticky Toffee Pudding. (sighs) Eight slices of your favourite cake? Yeah. My goodness. I don't know what I'd give it. It'd be high. I'm going to say eight slices of Viennetta. Oh. Yeah. Not the best film I've ever seen, but very, very good still. And I'll highly recommend it to anyone who likes movies, basically. Yes, I thought it was really good. Mm, Yes. Well, thanks for joining us, Lennon. And uh, hopefully we'll speak to you in the future and uh, maybe get some of your views on another movie. Ta-ta. Tostevanier, comrades. Viva la revolution. He's speaking Spanish there. Oh, let's hang up the time phone. (laughs) Oh, he was uh, very keen on the movie. Yeah, he liked it, didn't he? Yeah. So maybe we should talk about one that wasn't as good as The Invisible Man. Yeah, Mm. I'm not sure about this. Do you want to listen to the best podcast of all time? Cool. So do I. You can do that or you can listen to us. I'm Jay Ray, and this is my bitch-ass sidekick. Loop Dog. You going to say the rest? L-double-O-P. Oh, I don't know. Well, I mean, go ahead. Well, We're already here. We're already here, up. bitch. Go ahead and start say it. Over, man. No, just do it. Out, right? I don't want to fucking start Loop over. Dog, L-O-O-P-D-O-double-G. That's me. That's right. And we are Politics with Dummies, a podcast on the No Phony Podcast Network at nophonynetwork.com. Look for us. We be everywhere. Yes, we watched Steel Dawn from 1987, starring Patrick Swayze. And Lisa Niemi and a couple of other people. We've got Arnold Vosloo, who viewers may recognise as The Mummy from 1999's The Mummy. Yes, that's in, that's how I recognised him. Yeah, and it's got Anthony Zerb, who you may recognise from The Matrix Revolutions, who plays the Mayor of Zion. 
All right. like the leader of Zion, the free city. And he's been in a lot of movies. Yeah, lots he has, and hasn't lots he? And lots. Yeah. yeah, he's kind of a journeyman. Uh, it was directed by Lance Hu, who was normally a producer of movies, but he also directed Missing in Action 2, oh. which is an alright action movie. We might get to that one day. Uh, it lost $3 million at the box office, and I can imagine why. Uh, it closely that's, not, that's not like that much, though, is it? Like for it may, only made five hundred thousand, but it was released in only two hundred and forty cinemas. So yeah. that's not bad, really, if you ask me. It's hard when you only have that many. Yeah, cinemas. it didn't really get a nationwide release. It's been largely ignored and forgotten by everyone. Yeah, it's unrated on Rotten Tomatoes by critics, but it has a thirty-four percent audience score. Oh, okay, cool. It closely follows the plot of a 1950s Western movie called Shane, which is quite well known. I've seen it years and years and years ago. I don't remember it is so well. Is that that Western you were talking about? Yeah, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shane doesn't sound like a Western, though. Well, it's about a man called Shane. What do, you, what do you want it to be about? If it was like a, about a man called Shane on a horse. Yeah, he is on a, a horse. Cowboy. He is a cowboy. Yeah, but you, it doesn't sound like it, does it, Shane? That's his name. Oh, <laughs> yeah, um, and when it says loosely follows, um, it means it is beat for beat, uh, pretty much a remake of Shane, but set in a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah, yeah. with people who wear very little in the desert. Well, and they're quite well dressed. You reckon? Yeah. Well, anyway, would you like to describe the plot of Steel Dawn for us? Okay, so Patrick Swayze... What's his name in the film? I honestly can't remember. No, I Let's can't Let's call him remember. Shane. <laughs> <laughs> Shane? Yeah. He, um, he's like a ex-soldier. Yes. Like commander man. Mm-hmm. And basically he's doing a headstand on a <laughs> sand dune in the middle of the Namibian desert. Yeah. See? I remember, remember where, where it was, it was shot. Where it was shot in Namibia. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, and then there's these people that come out of the sand and try and kill him. And then he fights them off, and then he goes off, and basically he's like a bit of a do-gooder, I would say. Like a wandering vigilante warrior for justice. Yeah, and he meets up with his best pal of like 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're having a discussion. I don't remember about what. Just about things, life in general. And, uh, yeah, so he's off to go and... His friend's off to go and help some people, isn't he? Mm Mm-hmm. And he, um... But then they get sort of, um... Accosted by these other chaps. (laughs) Yeah. Who are bad people. Yes. And his friend... Well, basically, the barman serves them both a drink that's either poisoned or... I don't know. It's full of rohypnol. Rohypnol, probably. Yeah, I'm hoping for a barman session. Because, uh, yeah, Patrick Swayze drinks it first and obviously he collapses on the floor. Mm. But he can still see what's yeah. going on. Yeah. So I reckon it is a bit of a hypnol. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, his friend obviously mm. gets um, about four people to one and obviously mm. dies. He does. By this man who looks a bit like David Bowie's hair in... <laughs> Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. And uh, it's just about how... He wanders about, finds a family, helps mm-hmm. them restore their water mill, because water is non-existent. Yeah. And helps this little boy build a, a wind 
What is it like a Powered. wind wind racer? Yeah, yeah, go kart thing. Mm-hmm. And it's how this man who looks like David Bowie, well, not looks like him, but he mm-hmm. has the same hair. Mm-hmm. Basically, he wants to get his revenge. Mm. And it's about how these bad people want all the water for themselves. Yes, yeah, very. And <laughs> in the end, I'm not finished yet. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And in the end, he obviously kills. No, he doesn't, does he? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> what card do you remember? If he kills the dude with the David Bowie hair, he does. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> but then he doesn't stay with the family mm-hmm. after helping them out. He goes off into the Namibian desert. He does to do good things. Forever to be on his own. Yeah. Being Swayze. I would have stayed if it was me. Yeah, I would, because it looked pretty awful out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a very concise summary of the plot there. Was like, it? Yes. <laughs> I thought I was quite thorough this it time. It was. Yeah, you got, I'd say you got all the plot points. Yeah. yeah. Even up to the headstands and things like that. Yeah. And yeah. he was trying to teach the little boy to do headstands, and then he was going to help him build his yeah. go-kart. He made a lot thing. of promises that he never really fulfilled. He never yeah. actually helped the kid with the... Wind racer, didn't he? He did. Did he? Oh, I might have fallen asleep during that part. Yeah, you probably did. Yeah. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> <laughs> what were some of your highlights? Oh, right. So, I, I suppose all the um, the fighting scenes were pretty good. They were all right, yeah. Yeah. That's about it, really. <laughs> yeah, I've got to say, I, I wasn't very enamoured with this. I thought it would be a bit more interesting. Yeah. But it isn't. <laughs> no, it is not. But I have made some notes, as always. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy the sand mutants that pop up out of the sand with weapons while yeah. he's doing his yoga. But that's only one time. Yeah, and it's never really explained like how they're able to live under piles of sand Yeah. or anything like that. Um, he's wearing bell-bottoms. Yes, he is. Oh, not all that practical in the desert. Not in the desert, they're not. I no. bet he gets sand in his shoes all the time. Probably, yeah. Um, but I did enjoy when he goes to the bar and gets date raped by David Bowie. <laughs> that uh, there are ceiling bandits that leap out of the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, because ceiling bandits are quite a big problem in the world, I think. Ceiling bandits. Yeah, you know, when you're just having a nice drink somewhere, like maybe in a nice country pub. Have you been accosted by ceiling and then bandits? Ceiling bandits all the time. I'd say six or seven occasions in my life. Yeah. I have been attacked by ceiling bandits. What about okay. you? Have you never come across a ceiling bandit? No, I can't say I have. No? Well, if you listeners have ever come across a ceiling bandit, please get in touch because I think this is a bigger problem than people have given it credit. I think People all over the world are daily coming up against ceiling bandits. And I, for one, I'm controversial opinion or not, I think ceiling bandits can fuck off, basically. And I think they should be banned, rounded up, and shot. I will let you know if I come across any. So, yeah, I've got strong feelings about ceiling bandits. Okay. I don't like them. Just saying. What do ceiling bandits wear, though? Well, so I can recognise them. That depends on where you're from. If you're in Mexico, they'll obviously be wearing a poncho, a sombrero, and they'll have a giant handlebar moustache. Yeah. Because that is what a Mexican bandit looks like. In the right. UK, they wear the outfit of a highwayman. 
So a lacy shirt, um, a black mask over the eyes. Right. And a tri-corner hat. <laughs> okay, and then. In other areas, they wear national dress. In this film, they are dressed as sort of Mad Max rejects. Yes, I would say so. Yeah, I think they've stolen a lot of aesthetics from the movie from Mad Max. But that isn't always a bad thing. No. Because Mad Max is good. And it is Ste- very good. <laughs> Steel Dawn is not Which as Mad good. Max, though? All of them. Oh, but, okay. Well, I mean, it couldn't have stolen from Fury Road because it was made long afterwards. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, the Mel Gibson Mad Max is. Yeah. Yes. Even though he's not in all of them, is he? I don't, I don't know. know. I haven't seen him in a very long time. But anyway, you're getting away from my point of sealing bandits. Why are you pointing a pencil at me with it? Because I'm trying to make a very important point about ceiling bandits. Okay. I think they should go back to where they came from. Okay. Back into the ceiling and they should fucking well stay there. Righto. Right. Now we've covered that. I've written very flammable. Oh, yeah. He burns his mentor. Oh, yeah. (laughs) In a a funeral fire. And he goes up like a rocket. I was like, that can't be right. Because after World War Three, everyone is very flammable. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically how I see it. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, what? How do you? Maybe think... it's because of the radioactiveness of people. It could be. It's never really specified much. You don't learn much about the world, do you? You don't learn like why it's ended you know, up what's like happened that. and why they all live in the desert. I bet now. that's just that area. But everywhere else, Vegas is still booming <laughs> they do mention there are cities around but we just never see one because yeah. that would cost a lot of money to make yeah and then he finds uh brian james who plays a character called tark oh yeah he's the yeah. dude who looks a bit like that wrestler isn't he he does look like a wrestler yeah and he's a right hard bastard and brian james also plays the admiral in uh, the fifth element oh yeah. yeah and a few other movies he's in but i initially thought it was tom jones yeah, I was like, wow, Tom Jones is in this. Imagine living on no, a farm with Tom Jones. Tom Jones. That would be amazing. I'd love to live with Tom it Jones look on a like farm. like him. Not Tom, at all. Tom Jones would be like, come on, we've got to farm some moisture. Off we go. Let's sing a song while oh, we yeah, do it. I forget it. he's Welsh. <laughs> you forget Tom Jones is Welsh. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. And then a, a doctor comes, and he's being pulled along on a giant unicycle sedan chair by four men. Oh, yeah, they're mm. his slaves, I reckon. Well, it seems that way, yeah. It seems like the most impractical way of getting around the desert ever, really. I think I think they even say, wouldn't it be easier if they just carried you? Yeah. And he's like, no, I like the big unicycle wheel. I feel bad for him. Well, the doctor. Well, no, I feel bad for his peeps. I feel bad for whoever has are... to drag his ass through yeah, the desert. It's hot, isn't yeah, it? it's a right shit job. Yeah. And they seem to kind of live in like a massive Burning Man festival that's going on for all time, that never ends. Yeah. Like a big music festival in the desert. And they go to get supplies, don't they, in the market. And then there's yes. a big fight. There's a big fight. Tark beats a lot of people up, and then Swayze gets involved. If you love watching Swayze doing his roundhouse kicks and things like that, then you, there's, there's something in this film for you. Because this was after... Roadhouse, wasn't it? It was two years before Roadhouse, oh. but it was the same year as Dirty Dancing. Shut the front door! Shut the front door, indeed, yeah. Um, then you've written some notes. You've written Kisses. 
Oh, yeah. He mm. kisses the lady, doesn't he? He does. He falls in love with a lady who runs a farm. Yeah. They have sex outside. They do. In the desert. Yeah. Lots of sand. Sand in the vagina. Is not a good thing. Sandy balls. Ooh. Sandy thighs. Sand in the hair. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. Just in general, sand all over the show. I think I've put... You've written mill working. Oh. Oh, <laughs> that was when they got the pump from the yeah. person and they bought this pump and they yeah. pumped the water back up. Yeah. You had to write some notes because I fell asleep for yeah. a good 10, 15 minutes of this film because it's quite dull. Uh, you've also put all the water. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So they've... She's... The lady who he obviously has the nookie with. Mm-hmm. She's got, like, the... Apparently, a non-stopping water supply. An endless supply of water. water. That's the word I was thinking for. <laughs> non-stopping water. Yeah. So, yeah. It's massive underneath her house. Saying so she's real wet down there. Well. <laughs> she has been to Asia, right? Well, yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> you put me off now. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I think you've written sex, sand everywhere. Oh, yeah, we've discussed that. We've discussed that. Yeah. And then I wake up and wrote Lady Ten because him, oh, yeah. Swayze and Tark go to steal some things from another farm. And in that farm, they have a tent full of ladies with their boobs out. They do. And Tark's having a good old look at those. He's, sitting, he's literally yeah. got a right gorp on. I mean, you wouldn't see a lot of boobs in a post-apocalyptic wasteland, I suppose. So no. I guess it must be quite impressive. And then Patrick Swayze uses a tiny slingshot and a tiny rock to kill the driver. You missed of the, the bit car. where he just picks it, helps himself to some beef oh, or yeah. something. Does he steal some beef? I don't know what it is, but it's some sort of food. Oh, right. I know they steal a, like a water pump. Yeah, but that was he, what they went while for. they're gawping at these women's boobies, mm-hmm. right, he just he steals like, some beef. He just helps himself to some beef so, or something. All oh, right, I don't miss that completely. Oh yeah, because then he uses it as a weapon, doesn't he? He beats someone with a stick of meat. He doesn't. He just uses a slingshot. I think we've been watching a different film. Yeah, you've definitely. Yeah, right. I think you were still drowsy at this just point. Just <laughs> adding things. There's quite an impressive, like, very slow cart chase. Oh yeah. And Swayze <laughs> kicks some people in the face, and they all fall off a cart. Well, it... this is when the little boys run off, hasn't mm. he, to try and get away? Yeah. It really made me wish we were watching the cart chase from Robin Hood 2017. I missed the main plot, didn't I? <laughs> What's the main plot? So basically the bad dude, mm-hmm. this older man, wants all the water for himself, doesn't he? Well, wouldn't you? So he kidnaps the little boy and obviously the mum mm-hmm. the with the frizzy hair mm. goes to save her son. Yeah. But then she holds him up with a little tiny knife. A tiny knife. And the little boy runs away and gets in this windy go-kart. Oh yeah, we'll get to those. Oh, I thought I've got the some whole... got some questions about the windy go carts. Okay. Yeah, when they get back from stealing this water pump, Patrick Swayze just takes all the credit for the what <gasps> they've done, and, I know. and then Tark gets the hump and goes to get drunk in a market. Yeah, I yeah. can't blame him though. Oh, well, I would too. I'd be like fucking Swayze. Who does he think he is? Coming over here, taking all the credit. Some sort of ceiling bandit. How dare he? Yeah, I think Tark has had a lot of trouble with sealing bandits. Maybe. And that's what's led him to live this sheltered life. I did think for a while that it hadn't been shot in Namibia 
and this is where Patrick Swayze lives in like this what in real life I think that's where he'd go to practice his high kicking and wearing not, not a lot of clothes probably goes to a gym doesn't he yeah but I thought because Swayze is obviously not only the sexiest man alive but also the deadliest man yeah so he would live somewhere like that somewhere rugged somewhere. what to make him all hardy and exactly to make him as deadly as he is because Swayze would kick Chuck Norris's ass. You reckon? Absolutely, I do. Patrick Swayze would end Chuck Norris's shit. I believe so. Yeah. What about Rocky Balboa? <laughs> Difficult, but that's kind of two different disciplines, aren't they? See, Swayze's more of a kicker, whereas Rocky, boxer, is a boxer. They'd have to do a bit like Floyd Mayweather and uh, Conor McGregor did. They'd have to kind of train in uh, each other's fighting styles to make right, it fair. Right. Yeah. But who do you think would win then? Rocky Balboa. Well, Rocky is pretty much indestructible, isn't he? Yeah. He's punched repeatedly in the face. And he gets more eloquent as he goes along. He does. After getting his face punched in, he becomes all suave in the third movie, doesn't he? Ooh, suave. Then goes back to being all (laughs) strokey face again a bit later on, yeah. In the fifth one, he's like semi-retarded. Yeah. So would you be after all those face punchings. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see what else is in the notes. I said poor Tark. Yeah, because Tark gets oh, killed. Oh, he gets killed, doesn't he? He does, yeah. He's a bit of an idiot, though. He should have waited. He is, but he does have a good line when he says to Patrick Swayze, you're not so disgusting. You don't make me puke. Oh. oh that's quite that's nice. That's nice, isn't it? Nice thing to say to your friend, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like you. You are a good friend. You don't make me puke. You do not make me vomit. (laughs) And therefore, I am comfortable in your presence. Yes. Yeah. I think that's quite nice. And then, Christopher Neem arrives. We do see him briefly at the beginning when he kills a Japanese man in a bar. Oh, is he the dude who looks a bit like David Bowie's hair? He's got hair metal, like proper hair metal band hair. Yeah. Which made me think about... That wig must be so sweaty in that desert. It would be. And I was thinking about what a hair metal band would be like if they lived in this land that this movie is set in. Yeah, go on then. What kind of name would they have? So I used an 80s band name Generator to come up with some names. So the first... Suggestion it came up with is hair, hair. All right. Like hair, 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 hair. Mm, yeah. That's a bit shit. No, no, don't like that one. Okay. No. So it came up with muck sword, <laughs> <laughs> which I liked a lot. I thought. Yeah, that's pretty good. Isn't yeah. It? And then the next one, tits and a sword. <laughs> tits and a sword band. I feel like that. If that was the movie's title, I would have got more people to go and see it. Probably. Yeah. Because they thought it would be something else. It's kind of not the right description. There's not a lot of tits in the film. No. So, the next band name that came up, One Girl, 80 Tits. Oh, wow. (laughs) No, not that either. No, you wouldn't want to see that, would you? No. Go skip down a few. Yeah. Uh, The Rock Tits. Ah, that sounds a bit like that 80s band with... The Rockettes. Mick Jagger in. The Rolling Stones. Yeah. (laughs) Not an 80s band. (laughs) <laughs> what, what, kind of, what year band are they? Started in the 60s. Oh, 60s. Yeah. I apologise. I do like No Rest for the Swayzes, though. Oh, yes. Yeah. I think we should settle on that. Oh, there's a few more, though. We've got Tits 80, The Watering Crotch, <laughs> Sword Attack. No? No. Sword Popping Swayzes. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so there's plenty more. 
Watering for the hair woman. <laughs> See? No. Oh, I thought that was a good one. Disciples of Nevada. Oh, that's a good one. Limp sword. <laughs> Eighty odd camels. No. No. Hair sword brigade. That's more descriptive of what he is. He is like a hair. I like sword the brigade. one, the disciples of Nevada. Yeah. Letters from Chris of the Camels. No. No. Okay. So what are we setting for? Sword popping Swayzes. Yeah. Disciples of Nevada. Or no rest for the Swayzes. All three of those. Well, we've got to pick one. Oh, I say Nevada. Okay, so Christopher Neem, who was obviously famously a member of the Disciples of Nevada, he turns up in the movie with wonderful hair. And he kills Tark. And then he decides that he wants to kill Patrick Swayze. Yes. Yeah. And he fights him, doesn't he? He gives him a good fighting. Yeah. A good beating. He does. And then he sings some of the songs that uh, Nevada, the disciples of Nevada released over their time. They have, of course, Nevada State of Mind. Our hair sword love. Our march camels. This love is hair, but it's rock. If I was your hair sword and master of Nevada. Oh, right. Cool. Yeah. That's very eloquently done by them if you uh, watch the film you might not notice the songs but they're there (laughs) Um, yeah we finally get to see some of the wind go-karts that we've seen parked up throughout the movie yeah a little boy escapes from a fight and he tries to escape in a wind go-kart and I was like this is going to be cool there's going to be a high speed wind go-kart chase across the desert you're thinking more star wars aren't you i was thinking that they would go a bit faster they probably were only going jogging pace (laughs) at one point i thought if they get out of their go-karts and run they're gonna catch that little boy yeah yeah it was probably the least impressive thing i think i've ever seen it was very silly it was and i was felt very let down yeah uh, Swayze then challenges uh, Christopher Neem from the Disciples of Nevada to single combat. He wins by running away from him a lot and yes. then sneakily stabbing him when he's not looking. Yeah, but I mean, you've got to win. You've got to cheat to win sometimes. Yes, you have. You have. And uh, then the movie ends. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick Very Swayze abruptly. walks off into the sunset. Well, he says goodbye first, doesn't he? He does. And it's not really walking off into the sunset. Because there is only one state of weather throughout this entire film. And that is Hot. perfectly clear with a cloudless blue sky. Yeah. It makes it very dull. The they light. keep talking about these sandstorms <laughs> yeah. as well. but I mean, I know it's really hard to shoot in a sandstorm. But you could like use some stock footage of a sandstorm maybe. Yeah. The weather never changes. The lighting states never change. There's no interest in camera angles. <laughs> Nope. It's quite a dull, dull movie. It's very dull. Yeah. What was your favourite part? Um, The fighting bits. Yeah. When Swayze's kicking people, yeah. it's exciting. The rest of the time, it's not. It's boring. Yeah. Who was your favourite character in it? Patrick Swayze, obviously. Hey, he was quite a dull man, though. I loved the assassin, Christopher Neem, from The Disciples of Nevada. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The David Bowie hair, man. He was pretty damn cool. And he cut off a, a ceiling bandit's head because the ceiling bandit had interfered with their uh, sword fight. Fighting. Yeah, he was a very honourable man. He was. 
He he. Although you say honourable, <laughs> but he does have a knife in his. He's got knee knee knives. Yeah. So I think that's unfair. As honourable as he is, he is sadly also a ceiling bandit, and as we know, ceiling bandits are scum and they cannot be and trusted. They are not very nice people. No, ceiling bandits, as I've said, are like the lowest, lowest of the low. They're like rats. They, they should be wiped out like rats. Yeah. Yes. So how many slices of cake out of 12 do you give Steel Dawn? One. One? What kind of cake? Mm, dry sponge. Dry sponge. I'm going to give this three slices of fruit cake. Oh, you yeah. hate fruit cake. I wouldn't say I hated it, but I yeah. don't like it. And yeah. I didn't like this film. But no. it had a thing I liked in, which was Patrick Swayze kicking people. Okay. And I also liked The Assassin. So Righto. It's got Swayze, one bit of cake. Yeah. Kicking, two bits of cake. Cool Assassin, three bits of cake. All my cake is in one bit. Okay. Well, I mean, all my bits are in one <laughs> cake. Slice. The cool dude, yeah. Patrick Swayze and all the fighting. That'll yeah. do. That'll do nicely. Need I even ask if Steel Dawn is better than Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? No. It definitely is not. Definitely not. No, I did not enjoy this film. It was very boring. It was dull. I think there's only one way to cheer ourselves up. Yes. And stop thinking about those pesky ceiling bandits. And that is to fire up the time phone for a second time. Because on this day in history, March the 7th, 1876... Scotland's own Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone. So he's not going to be surprised at all when his phone rings, is he? Oh my gosh. That's nice, isn't it? Imagine inventing the telephone. Yeah. It'd be great. So he must be pretty excited. So let's give him a call. Let's fire up the time phone. Holy giant hairy tits of Queen Mary. My telephone is ringing. Hello. How is this possible? I've got the only fucking phone. How was some other cunt invented a telephone? Morning, Alexander. How are you? Who is this? I'm the fucking telephone person right here. You'd best not be looking for a cut of the fucking profits. No, no, it's fine. We're calling from the future. Your phone's very popular here now. Well, that's all right then. I don't want no cunt muscling in on my new device. I'm going to make a lot of sweet, sweet poppy from this wee invention, I'm telling you. As long as no sleek it wee fucks come along and try to steal my invention from me. Alright, yeah, no, don't worry about that. It's an incredible achievement, Alexander. Can you tell us how you did it? Well, I, I can. Now I've got my patents sorted out. And you say you're from the future, you can. So I was a big fan of their Mort telegraph machine, you can. You can send messages from one place to another by tap, tap, tapping away on your wee box thing. Oh, that's all well and good, aye. But I met this wee lassie down in Bournemouth when I was there on my holidays. And without swearing, she was a right mucky fucking coo. Gas the best gamma my life. Face like a painter's telex. Anyway, I've gone back up the road to Scotland and she's still stuck down there. And I'm as horny as a sailor on shore leave up in Edinburgh. So I sent her a few mucky telegraph messages you can. And I got some back. But then I get a message from the telegraph company saying, Stop sending your smut through the wires, you dirty wee cunt, or we'll send some of the operators around to bust your move. Well, I'm no having that. So I'll come up with my telephone, so as I can talk to the bitty skirt on my own self. How does the phone work, though? 
Oh, you're no gonna understand. You're just a silly wee lassie. Alright. <laughs> Break it down, then. You talk in one end and the scene comes out the other. What more do you want me to say? Maybe a bit more detail. Come on, let it out. Well, sound waves cause an electric current to vary in intensity and frequency, causing a thin, soft iron plate called a diaphragm to vibrate. These vibrations are transferred magnetically to another wire connected to a diaphragm in another distant instrument. When that diaphragm vibrates, the original sound is replicated in the ear of the receiving instrument. Right. Much simpler, thank you. Is this your first phone call that you've received? Well, I it's the first one I'm receiving, but my phone has already made an outgoing call. I work in a lab with some lazy wee prick called Watson. He's never around when I need him, so I've rigged my phone up in the shite house carsey. Once I've finished the two prototypes, I stick one in Watson's office and another one right next to the porcelain throne. And when I've finished laying my brewed eggs, I'll give Watson the call and say, Who, Watson, come in here and wipe my shit pipe. It's dirtier than a Glaswegian's muff. Oh, our records say the first message you sent said, Mr. Watson, come here, I need you. Well, that's just paraphrasing. I did need the cunt to come in so he could clean up all the clangers from my hotchin ring. I look like an arm of fucking getting down there, like the black hole of Calcutta times a thousand. Anyway, I've got some dirty phone calls to make to my bird in Bournemouth, so if you wouldn't mind fucking off, I'm going to pull down my breeks and rub one out while I listen to her breathe. TTFN. Okay, bye. Well, he was quite a character, wasn't he? Yeah, he sounded a bit like Irvine Welsh. <laughs> he sounded a lot like Begbie from an Irvine Welsh book. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can't think why that has spin in my head. Yeah? Can uh, you not? No. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, nothing to do with me listening to Irvine Welsh audiobooks all week. But, uh, well, that's all we have time for this yes, week. Thank Apologies you very much. for the kind of maybe not as much energy as normal but that film was really fucking boring I think I'm going to pick the film for next well, week well I thought we were doing Dirty Dancing next week oh are we defo if you want to yeah okay then yeah because we need some people to write in and tell us what they think and when you watch films like Steel Dawn that no one knew existed yeah you don't get a lot of um, Dirty Dancing will do that Dirty Motherfucking Dancing that's Ooh. what we'll be doing next week Ooh. I'll be thinking about teenage girls and sex with <laughs> grown-ups all week I mean I'm not saying that that doesn't end in my head quite a lot but hey what (laughs) anyway no one puts you in the corner don't you worry okay thanks (laughs) right yeah contact info if you want you can talk to us on twitter or instagram at pete and fran pod or robin hood pod both the same or you can find us on the Pod Nation list on podchaser.com. There's 40 great podcasts on there, and we've got some promos for three of those podcasts on that list throughout the episode. You know that because you'll have heard them. Yes. But go check those podcasts out. And when you do, see if they ever play our promo. <laughs> I've got a sneaking suspicion no one ever does. <laughs> oh, we should check, shouldn't we? I should, yeah. Well, I'm sure they do. I don't <laughs> right there you go thanks for listening everyone thank you very much numbers are down slightly so if you could do us a favour go on iTunes leave us a five star review 
or leave a comment on this episode. Or more importantly, just tell your friends. Word more of mouth. Friends. Tell have all more your friends. friends about our podcast. And if you don't have any friends, like log on to another service and download the podcast on that service. <laughs> and then another one and another one and another one and leave ratings and reviews on every single podcast app. It's like Uber here. Five stars only, please. Yeah, five star ratings only. <laughs> if you don't like it, then you could leave us a one star review. Yeah, but say why. Yeah, say why. Because we want to improve the podcast. We do. We do. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening, everyone. Ta-da. Have a lovely week. And we'll see you next week for a little bit of a dance and a kiss. Ooh. Ooh. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. What's up, everyone? My name is Paul DeWeeland, and I'm the host of the Year of Plenty podcast, the show for all things real food and drink. In this world of highly processed convenient foods, we're becoming more and more disconnected from our food than ever before. Many people don't cook at home anymore, and you know they have absolutely no idea where their food is coming from. That's why I'm on a mission to connect people with real recognizable food that fuels the body, mind, and soul. A huge part of this is building appreciation for the simple natural ingredients and those processes that really bring them to our tables. On the show, you can expect to hear stories and topics on cooking, nutrition, farming, gardening, hunting, foraging, fishing, and much, much more. Go listen and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much any other platform out there. It's also on my website, www.theyearofplenty.com. Much love and thanks for listening. So once again, for some great indie podcasts, check out the Pod Nation list on podchaser.com.